Thank you so much for coming. This is the fifth installment of a six-week series on superheroes of the Bible, and we've been going through, we have family worship going on um, in our service, kind of um, giving the children's church workers a break, and having kiddos in the auditorium. We want to be aware of that, and so we have created a series talking about different superheroes of the Bible, what their characteristics were, and we are on week number five out of six. We have discussed Jonathan and his armor bearer and the defeating of the Philistine army. It was two against an entire army, and God saw the victory, and we learned that Jonathan's big characteristic, his super characteristic was trusting God, and then the next week we we learned about Elijah and Elijah defeating the 450 prophets of Baal, and uh, he had incredible confidence in God. That was his super characteristic. And then we learned about Esther and how she became the queen and had no idea why God had allowed all the things in her life to happen, but that her super characteristic was purpose, that there was a reason for everything that happened in her life, and there's a reason why everything happens in our life. And then last week, we tried to discuss uh, Moses and we try to cram in just one small area of his life where he made a conscious decision to turn his back on the riches of Egypt and pursue following Christ. And uh, because I couldn't think of a word, I made up ESP that he had an eternal sensitivity perception that he just had eternity in mind and how important it is to live this short life that we live with an eternal purpose and uh, storing up and, and, and doing all that we can in this life for that which will literally last forever in eternity. This week we're going to be talking about boy, one of the most um, puzzling and unsettling superheroes, and that is Samson. There's an entire book of the Bible called Judges, and you uh, judgmental Christians are like, see, I told you. But there's an entire book in the Bible called Judges, and, and, and what, what these individuals were, there was a period of time in the history of Israel, and it's debatable exactly how long, depending on how you count things, but it was somewhere between 350 and about 480 years that the judges ruled Israel. There was no kings. And so God would speak to Israel through these judges and they were used and and they were instruments of God's direction. And Samson is one of the judges that God used in Israel. He was the 13th of 15 judges. So we're kind of getting to the end of this judge era. And the story goes like this. In a town of Zorah, there was a man named Manoah. They had, they lived very close to the Philistine border, if you will, maybe even a little bit, but it was really close. And the Philistine people were oppressing the Israelites. So it had been about 40 years since this began again, and there's 40 years of oppression. An angel appears to Manoah's wife and gives her the exciting news that even though you've been barren, you have not been able to have any children, you are going to have a special child. And this young child is going to be used of God to help the Israelite people be freed from the oppression 
of the Philistines. So she's so excited, she goes home and she tells her husband, and her husband is a little bit less than believing. And so the angel appears a second time, this time to the both of them, and he gives them this instruction. This young boy, Samson, is so unique and is going to be used so powerfully that here are some conditions that became known as the Nazarite vow. I don't want him to touch anything that has to do with grapes. So no, no grape juice, no wine, no raisins, nothing to do with anything from the vine. Uh, there's going to be special conditions. He can't eat certain types of food, and he can never cut his hair. So he's going to take this vow, and it's going to be a sign that he belongs to me. So as mom and dad write down all the notes, we're going to make sure we do this, and, and so Samson is born. The word Samson literally means like the sun. And so Samson is born, and he grows up to be an incredibly strong young man, as you can guess. Something, though, with his child-rearing, I'm afraid, set him on a course that seems like such a a waste, like there was so much potential, and he battled himself and his desires like his whole life, and I don't, and, and, and I'm, I'm, this is not a child-rearing message, but it shows you how important it is to set your children on the right trajectory when they're young. But something went wrong with Samson's rearing because it was just hard for him to accept the word no from God or from his parents or from anybody else. So he grows up and he doesn't cut his hair and he doesn't drink the wine and he doesn't eat the wrong foods for a good period of time. So he grows up to be a strong young man with very long hair. And his mom made sure that while she was raising him, he obeyed all of the the rules of the Nazarite vow, and the Bible says that Samson was blessed of God and that God's spirit began to work in him. Well, one day, Samson saw a beautiful woman in the town of Timnah, which was only four miles from Zorah. The unfortunate thing was she was a Philistine, and they weren't supposed to be dating, let alone marrying But he falls in love with this beautiful woman, and he wants to make her his wife. So he goes home, and he tells his parents, I want you to get this woman to become my wife. Jewish tradition at the time, the parents were involved in securing the the bride of choice. So he goes to his mom and dad and says, here's the plan. And, of course, they resist, but eventually give in because he's not used to being told, what's that magic word? No, he's not used to be told, being told no. So they arrange it, and he goes down to Timnah to meet this Mary and marry this woman. And on his way, to kind of make a long story short, he, he killed a lion on the way with his bare hands. And in the process of that, thought of a, a cool riddle to tell the Philistines to see if this battle of wits, if he could win it. So he tells them this riddle. He marries the woman, tells them this riddle. 
and says, if you can guess what the answer to my riddle is, then I will give you 30 garments of clothing. But if you cannot, then you have to give me 30 garments of clothing. So they didn't want to be embarrassed. They couldn't think of it. They couldn't come up with the answer. So finally, they go to his new bride, and they convince her to tell them what the answer is. And then they go to Samson, and they tell him the answer to the riddle. And he realizes what's happened, that they basically have tricked his wife or forced his wife into telling them the answer to the riddle. And, of course, he becomes furious. He gets really angry. So sure enough, you know, he he gives them the 30 garments of clothing, but what he does is he goes and he killed three, the 30 Philistines. And he took their clothes and he gave those changes of clothes to the Philistines, and that's how he kept his end of the bargain. So we see this, this progression. So first he kills a lion, and then he kills 30 Philistines who are the enemies of the Israelites. So while Samson is gone, he leaves Timnon. He's away for a while. He comes back and finds out that his wife has married another man. Now he gets really angry. And to get back at the Philistines, he captures, if it wasn't in the Bible, it would be hard to believe, but he captures 300 foxes. Now, how do you even catch one? Right? Seriously, have you ever tried to catch? No, I haven't. But he catches 300 foxes, ties them together by the tail. Now he has 150 pair. And he takes a torch, lights the torch, ties it in between the tails, and they go running off, and these foxes burn down everything. They destroy the crops of the Philistines. They they destroy the olive groves of the Philistines. And now the Philistines are incredibly angry because their livelihood has been ruined. So the Philistines go down, and they tell the Israelites, if you don't get us Samson, then we're going to attack you. So 3,000 Israelites go to Samson and say, we have to give you over to the Philistines. We don't, we don't want to do it, but you understand that you know, we, we, we can't afford to, to lose this battle. And so he agrees, and he allows them to tie him with two sets of ropes, and they, they hand him over to the Philistines. And as soon as the 3,000 Israelites hand him over to the Philistines, Samson breaks the new cords and he's free, and he looks around for something to beat him with. And he sees a jawbone of a donkey. And the Bible says he picks up that jawbone of the donkey, and he killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Not a typical weapon, but effective. So then you have this period of silence for about 20 years, and you don't hear much more about Samson until one day he goes to spend the night in the city of Gaza. And Gaza was, we think, the capital of the Philistine Empire at this time, one of, if not the, capital of the Philistine Empire, a fortified city. So he goes to spend the night in this city. And when the Philistines discover that he's there, they say, we're going to kill him the next morning and not allow him to leave this city. So they, they bar the door. They put chains on the door. They lock the gates of the city so he cannot escape. He finds out about the plan, and sometime during the night, he goes to leave the city, and he can't open the gates to the city. 
incredibly, he not only picks up the gates of the city, but he uproots everything that's holding them in place. Now, there's a lot of conjecture here. But studies are telling us that the best of our guesses would be that these gates, because they were gates to a city to protect it from an oncoming army. You know, you don't want to break. They're saying that the gates weighed at least five to ten tons. So he picks up the gates of the city, and then he carries them, the Bible says, to to a mountain east of Hebron. Now, we know Hebron is between 34 and 40 miles away, depending on how you go. We just don't know what mountain he took it to. Even that best-case scenario, there is a mountain closer to Gaza on your way to Hebron that is only nine miles from the city. And it's at an elevation of between 33 and 3,600 feet. So this guy carried these gates all the way up to a mountain and set them on top of the mountain. And again, he falls in love with a woman named Delilah, another Philistine. And the Philistines convinced Delilah to get Samson to reveal the secret to his strength. Each one of the Philistine noblemen offered her 1,100 pieces of silver. And if you do the math, that's about 140 pounds of silver that she was offered to give him up. So, I, you know, she's asking him about his incredible strength. How, how is it that you're so strong? It tells me that maybe he wasn't like huge, big, ridiculously powerful looking because they couldn't figure out how he was so strong. So he starts to tell her lies, that if you do this to me, then I won't be strong anymore. And he wakes up the next morning, and that's exactly what had been done to him. You don't think it dawned on him that maybe this was not a healthy relationship? Every time I tell her something that's going to take away my power, I'm, it happens to me by the next morning. I think that he got a little cocky. I think that at some point he felt like it doesn't really matter what I do, I'm going to be strong. It doesn't really matter. There's not going to be consequences to my bad decisions. God is always going to be good. God is always going to love me. God is always going to bless. I'm always going to have the strength no matter what I do. And after three or four attempts and she's, you know, nagging him more and more and more and just pleading with him and I go cry, how can you say that you love me if you won't tell me your secret? And finally he just says, all right, if you cut my hair, just cut my hair, then I won't be strong anymore. Why would you say that? You mean, it just, I mean, night after night, everything you say happens, and so you really think, so he, I really believe that he thought that if his hair is cut, it's still not going to make any difference. So sure enough, that night, while he is sound asleep, the Philistines come in and they cut all his hair off, and then the next morning he wakes up to an army in the house who then arrest him. They cut off his hair. They arrest him. They poke out his eyes. And he becomes a slave 
to the Philistines. And as a prisoner, Samson was treated like an animal and made to grind wheat like an ox. But his hair grew back. And as Samson, Samson's hair grew back, maybe a little bit of hope returned. Then the Philistines threw a big feast, right? So they, they throw this incredible feast to honor their god, Dagon, because they credited Dagon with the defeat of Samson. And they're in their big banquet hall. And they call for Samson to be brought so that they can make fun of Samson during the feast. Blind, Samson asks one of the servants near him to help him find where the pillars are. So they put one hand on one pillar and another hand on another pillar, and he prays for strength from God one last time, and God gave him the strength one last time. And he pushed on the pillars. And the building came crashing down. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 16 that 3,000 Philistine men died that day, and so did Samson. So here is this incredible story of this incredibly powerful person. And it doesn't have the happiest ending. But we're going to learn a few lessons this morning. So I think his super characteristic is pretty obvious, strength, right? Samson's super characteristic was strength. But here's how I would like to define that. It is a God-given gift intended for God's purpose. So I don't know what you can do. I don't know what God has given you. I don't know what strengths you have. But that has been given to you for a God-given purpose. And I would suggest that We use what we have and who we are for the purpose for which it was intended, and that was to honor God. Samson's accomplishments are legendary, but so are his weaknesses. Samson was given this supernatural strength to be used to carry out the will of God, and he used it for selfish reasons instead. The truth of the matter is Samson lost sight of the man that he was made to be. I mean, an angel announced his birth. He was able to kill 30 men, kill a lion, capture 300 foxes, kill 1,000 men. He had an extraordinary ability. So here's the question. What do you do when you blow it? What do you do when you've blown it? when you wasted an opportunity, when you hurt a relationship, when you harmed a friendship, when you said things you shouldn't, when you've done things you regret. Samson's story shows us that just because you have failed at something doesn't mean you're a failure. And I don't know where you are in life. But as I look back on my life, there are still Memories that are a gut punch. As I look back on the life that I've lived and decisions that I've made, it still doesn't feel good. And I can see God working in my life now, and I can see where I am, and 
And then I look back and I can see those things that I have said or done and wish I could take back. So let's look at a few lessons from Samson here. The first lesson that we learn from Samson's failure is that failure is an event, not a person. That was a moment in your life. A failure is an event, not a person. So we have two responses to failure. The first response is the natural one, and that is to have remorse. I feel bad about something. I was a horrible person, or I am a horrible person. I wish I hadn't got caught. I wish I hadn't said that. So we have this remorse that we feel. Sometimes (laughs) that remorse turns into blame, like it was Delilah's fault, right? She wouldn't stop nagging me. She was so seductive. Or maybe I didn't want to be chosen. I didn't ask for the strength. I didn't ask to be a judge. So we blame other people, and we have that remorse. That's the natural response, but the better response is repentance. I own this. I screwed up. I did it. It was my fault. God entrusted me, and I blew it. I didn't take my vow to God very seriously. I got angry. I got full of pride. I took sequential steps away from the Lord, and that's why I ended up in the position that I'm in. Here's the thing. It is so much easier to blame somebody else than to own it because then you're not taking responsibility. But the problem with not taking responsibility is you're living the illusion that there's nothing you could have done about it. But when you accept responsibility, you realize I can learn from that and become a different, better person going forward. But if blame is your go-to, it's somebody else's fault, you're blaming the situation rather than accepting responsibility. But our natural response is remorse. A better response is repentance. Because here's the truth. You can't unsin. You can repent and move on, but you can't unsin. And what remorse does, remorse just keeps looking backwards all the time. Remorse just keeps looking backwards because I have to find something to blame it on. We live in that regret, but repentance is moving forward. Don't let past failures limit your future opportunities. You can't change the past, (laughs) but you certainly can change the future. And repentance draws a line. God's forgiven me. Dare I say that Christ knew you were going to do that before he ever died on the cross to pay for it. Judges chapter 16, this is right towards the end of the life of Samson and the story that's recorded in the Word of God. In Judges chapter 16, two verses here. Verses 25 and then 28, and they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. 
The second thing we learn from Samson's failure is that even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. (laughs) He was in prison. He was grinding wheat like an animal. He was blind. He was broken. He was bound. And even in his brokenness and his blind condition, (laughs) God was able to use him, and God was able to still fulfill his purposes. Judges chapter 19, continuing in verses 29 and 30. Uh, Judges 16, 29 and 30. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. God still fulfilled his purposes in his life. And the last thing here I want to mention to you is that it's never too late to do what God wants you to do. I hope you heard that. It is never too late to do what God wants you to do. I don't know what situation you're in right now. I don't know what regrets you might have. I don't know what your past looked like, and I don't know what your current situation is. But it is not too late from this point on to do what God wants you to do. Isn't that great news? It's not too late. From this point on, I can do what God wants to do in my life. You might be down. You might feel like you're out, but you're not. God still has a purpose. You may think you're done, but God's not done. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises up again. Seven is the number of perfection in the Bible, all right? It doesn't mean that once you hit seven, you're, you're out of luck. It's not like a cat's lives. But I do think it's important that it's a righteous man that falls and will rise up again. There's something about that desire to honor God with your life. I think that's significant. So how many bad things can you do before God is through with you? What if you lie? What if you cheat? What if you murder? What if you commit adultery? Is God done? Well, let's see. That just described most of the Old Testament characters. That doesn't need to be your goal in life. But I don't think anybody knows when you've reached the limit. Because God always has a plan. Poor Samson, one of the most fascinating and frustrating characters in the Bible. Not a great hero, not a happy ending, but he fell forward. At the end of his life, he fell forward. And even in the midst of his failure, God was still able to use him. So here's the truth about the real hero in the story is God. He's the real hero in this story. Because even a blind, broken, bound man can look to God and ask to be used, and God can fulfill his purposes in that man's life. Samson came to God in shackles. He came to God broken. He came to God blind, and yet God 
was there. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for paying for our sin. Thank you for making all of this possible. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for knowing everything about us and loving us. I pray, Father, you would just help us to allow you to fulfill your purposes in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.